Welcome to the Law Boutique 30 podcast. LB30 for short. LB30 explores the legal challenges that face business owners, individuals, and families, with a twist. LB30 addresses these topics in a conversation with a seasoned legal and business professional. Your host, David Porter, has over 30 years of experience, connecting with clients to learn their objectives, and then devising strategies to solve problems, in a way to make businesses more sustainable, while solving the legal issues at hand. LB30 allows you to see inside the practical, concierge service you can create with a trusted legal advisor. LB30 is about conversation and practicality. The Law Boutique 30 is open to provide information and education. Please welcome your host, David Porter. Hi, and welcome to this episode of The Law Boutique 30. In this episode, we're going to talk about the Employment at Will Doctrine and how business owners and business leaders use that doctrine as a way to make decisions that really do put their business at risk in ways that many of them don't comprehend and don't really think through. And part of the conversation we're going to have in this episode is thinking down the road and understanding that the law is really not a very good problem solver and how people actually don't care much about the law when they bring claims and file lawsuits. So the risk that business owners have when it comes to employment at will is centered on the idea that they believe incorrectly that they can get rid of employees for any reason or no reason without really doing any of the legwork necessary to be able to justify in some way or another why they have, in many cases, terminated an employee. Now, before some of you on the other side of this camera think, oh my gosh, the Employment at Will Doctrine absolutely says that I can terminate somebody for any reason or no reason. Perhaps. That may be what it says, but that isn't what it means. And so the title for tonight's episode is that employment at will is in fact a fallacy. It doesn't really exist. And it doesn't really exist for a number of reasons. The most important reason that it doesn't exist is because there are so many federal and state laws that constrain your ability to terminate or to take adverse action against an employee. They constrain those decisions that you cannot take an adverse action against an employee for a number of reasons, including race and color and sex and gender and disability and age. Lots of different pigeonholes that people can put themselves into and say, you made that decision or you took that adverse action against me because I fit into this cubbyhole, this pigeonhole of a protected class. And when they do that, saying to an administrative agency or a court or a jury, well, I don't have to give you a reason. I fired them because they're an at-will employee, doesn't often carry the day. So let's talk a little bit about our challenge. Our challenge in all of this is that business leaders have come to the incorrect belief that employment at will gives them free reign to fire anybody at any time for any reason. And as I just said, that is simply 
false. There is no basis for an employer, for a business owner and a business leader to believe that they have that carte blanche to be able to just simply dispose of people. It just isn't true. The interesting thing is the reason that this fallacy exists is because of really four key pillars. And the first one is the idea that as a business owner and a business leader, they believe I can do because I want to do. I can because I want to. This is the, I run the business, I'm the one on the line, and so I'm gonna do whatever it is I want to do. I get it, I understand it. What you're saying in that situation, while it is probably true, the feeling is probably true, the reality is it isn't true. No one in a business setting has that sort of sway to be able to do what they want simply because they want to do it. There are always constraints. There are always accountabilities. And when you don't follow those accountabilities, when you don't subject yourself to the realities of the circumstance, you're going to get yourself in a bad way and put your business at tremendous risk. The second pillar is, and it kind of relates to the first, and that is no one can tell me who I have to hire and fire. Again, I have no quibble with the idea that that statement is true. The reality, however, is that you do have an obligation to treat people fairly. You do have an obligation to not discriminate against people. You do have those obligations. And so to say that no one can tell me who I can hire and fire is probably true, but the risk you run when you enter into those transactions without understanding the consequences of those transactions is going to cost your business a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of distraction. The third pillar is, it's no big deal. I'm a small business, I don't have that many employees, and hey, nobody's gonna know whether I've fired somebody or disciplined somebody or treated somebody in inappropriately. Nobody's ever going to know. And I will share with you one of my favorite quotes from one of my dearest friends. You're right until you're not. The interesting thing is the government or an enforcement agency doesn't have to come find you. Your employee can make it very well known or your former employee can make it very well known what your behavior was. So the idea that it's no big deal and nobody's gonna figure it out, nobody's gonna come find me, I'm a small fish in a big ocean, all of those excuses and rationalizations that I've seen business owners use for more than three decades doesn't hold water because they don't need to come find you. The people that you mistreat will point them out, will point you out, and will point them to you. So it might not be a big deal, or it might. And the last one is nobody's gonna sue me. 
Nobody's going to sue me. I'm just a small business. Nobody's going to do this. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Again, you're right until you're not. And the thing that I've been very interested, the pattern that to me has been very interesting over the years is once a company, once an employer begins and gets that first claim, it's astounding how many times they get the second or the third. It's almost like you need someone to be the first. And once somebody is the first, subsequent problems seem to arise because now they see how, now those people see how to get you and your business front and center with state or federal regulators. So our problem of today, our challenge of today is that you're under the incorrect belief that employment at will protects you and allows you to do whatever you want to whomever you want, whenever you want. It's just not true. And the reason that we know it's not true is because first, it's based upon I can because I want to. Doesn't fly. No one can tell me who to hire or fire. Well, they can't tell you who, to hire, who you have to hire or who you can or can't fire but they can certainly make your life difficult as you're trying to justify under the law why you did something. Third, it's no big deal. You're right until you're wrong. And it becomes a big deal, not because, of the, not because of the enforcers find you, but because your former employees send them your way. And fourth, no one's going to sue you. Again, you're right until you're wrong. But the reality is it only takes one. Because once you have one, there's going to be a second and there's going to be a third. So if that's the challenge, if the challenge is that you as a business owner are making the wrong assumption that employment at will is going to protect you, what is the opportunity for tomorrow? And the opportunity for tomorrow is you understand that while employment at will is certainly a viable legal theory, it does not carry the day when it comes to dealing with the employees that you need to take adverse action with. And so let's talk about the four reasons, the four pillars around that opportunity of tomorrow. First, good decisions are always based on reasons. I've never seen a business owner make a decision and when pressed, the best they could come up with was, I don't have to have a reason. I just did it. That's just not how good business owners run their business. They always have a reason. And so to think that you're going to take some piece of the law that will allow you to just make a decision without having a reason for it, doesn't carry water. So good decisions always have reasons. Second, you understand that you have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to comply with the law. And part of complying with the law is understanding that you have to treat people fairly. You have to treat them equitably. You have to be able to demonstrate that you are not discriminating against people based upon a protected classification. Whether it be 
Again, race, color, religion, sex, gender, disability, age, whatever is the protected class, you need to understand that you have a responsibility in that mix to treat people in a way that complies with the law. The third reason, the third basis of the opportunity is you come to understand that how you treat people matters. How you treat people is a big deal. Because if you want your business to grow, you're going to need more people. And the only way you're going to get more people, let me say that differently, the only way you're going to get more good people is to create an environment where people believe they're going to be treated fairly, appropriately, by the people who are running the business. If you believe that people are simply commodities to be discarded when you're done with them, good luck trying to grow a decent team to run your business. Good people will not put up with being treated as disposable. So you have to have, in the opportunity of tomorrow, you have to understand that how you treat people is a big deal. And then the fourth support for the opportunity of tomorrow is coming to the understanding that people, people sue, they are triggered to sue, not by the law, but by how they are treated how they perceive you are treating them. They really don't know what the law is, and they really don't care. What they know is they don't like how they were treated. And because they don't like how they were treated, that's when they're going to find a way to right what they believe is a wrong. So our opportunity for tomorrow is you come to understand that employment at law has certain uh, protection for personnel decisions, but it is not the silver bullet that saves you from making a bad decision. And the four things that, are, that support that opportunity of tomorrow is, first, good decisions always have reasons. You just never make a decision where you say, I decided because I decided. I've never seen a good business owner or leader that did that. Second, you understand that you have a responsibility in treating people fairly and appropriately under the law. Third, how you treat people is in fact a big deal. Not only from the fact of how you treat those particular people, but it also sets a tone for the environment of your business. And then fourth, you come to understand that how you act triggers people to sue, not the law. It's your behavior, not what the legal requirement is. So that's our challenge. That's our opportunity. We're going to take a break here, let you hear a couple of things coming up. And when we come back, we're going to get to the tenets. How do we need to shift our mind to get to the opportunity? And what is, what are the, what is the track? What are the things we need to do for us to be able to shift from the challenge to the opportunity. We'll be right back. Hey guys, David Porter from Porter Law, the host of Law Boutique 30. In 30 years of practice, 
I have seen some of the most talented and strong individuals who run businesses in virtually every industry. But here's what I also know. Those strengths can also be their greatest weakness. Not understanding the strengths that they have and how those strengths need to be mastered and disciplined is actually kryptonite to your business. And that's why I created the seven day strengths challenge. It's going to allow you to look at seven key strengths that business leaders have that if not managed can turn into the kryptonite that can tank your business. So go to www.7strengthschallenge.com. Register and understand how you can take those great strengths that you have and can use them to your greatest advantage. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements. I am just getting started. I just had a baby and my husband and I are just trying to figure out how to take care of her. There is nothing an estate plan can do for us, right? Estate plans do more than deal with money. They help you protect your children. That is why Porter Law has created an instant access summit to dispel the myths of estate planning. It's free. Go find out why you need to take action in this free summit at www.epmythsummit.com. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements. Okay, welcome back. We've talked about the challenge. We've talked about the opportunity. We're not going to talk about the tenets. We're going to talk about what needs to shift in your mindset to go from this challenge of I can do anything I want, whatever I want without any consequences to I need to do things in the right way at the right way, in the right way at the right time. The first tenet is understanding the difference between legal and right. I have been orienting business owners and business leaders to this distinction for a very, very long time. As I've said before, I will say again, the law is a terrible problem solver. It's also a terrible gauge of morality, a terrible gauge of ethics. The circle of right and wrong is so much smaller than the circle of legal and illegal. There are so many things that you can do that are legal, but they're just wrong. And the fact that they're wrong means that they are going to have a negative consequence on your business. You have to shift from the idea of what does the law say to the reality of what's the right thing to do. Because at the end of the day, doing the legal thing that gets you sued is equally disruptive and costly as if you had simply broken the law. Do the right thing. That's tenant number one. Tenant number two, can versus should. Can you do something versus should you do something? If you're a parent, 
you have clearly had this conversation with one of your children at some point. The fact that you can do something, the fact that you have the ability to do something, doesn't equate to the idea that you should do it. So the fact that you may think that the employment at will doctrine allows you the opportunity so that you can take an adverse action against somebody, the more fundamental question is, should you? Should that be the way you behave as a business leader and a business owner when it comes to the people that work for you? I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is I've got a pretty good set of data over the last 30 years that tells me the business owners who try to live in the shadow of the law typically find themselves in much worse condition than the people that try to live in the light of doing what's right. That's number two. Number three, logic versus emotion. Any decision that I have been exposed to in working with my clients over the years that doesn't have a very good reason for it typically is a decision made out of emotion. And folks, here's the reality. You don't have the capacity. You don't have the, the sway to be able to make decisions about your business, particularly about your employees, based upon emotion. Every emotional decision that I have seen over my career was a bad decision. Some of the ones that were logical were bad decisions, but not nearly as many. Logic requires that you have a reason. Logic requires that it makes sense. Logic requires that when asked, you can articulate very clearly why you've made the decision to take the adverse action that you took. It doesn't rely on things like the employment at will doctrine. It relies upon you acting in a way that fits into the circle of right and wrong and gives you the logic to get from where you were to where you are that people can look at and say, that makes sense. That's reasonable. So we move from emotion to logic. And then lastly, we make the transition from making decisions for you to making decisions for the business. It's a huge mind shift. I don't like Mary, I don't like Jim, I don't like Paul, I don't like, I don't like, is not nearly as important a question than the question being, are they good for the business? Because the opposite is true as well. The fact that you may like someone, you may enjoy working with them, doesn't mean they're good for the business. Decisions that you make need to be tied inextricably to the business that you run. Good people doing good work should be maintained whether you like them particularly or not. The mind shift that needs to happen in this challenge to opportunity is to move from making decisions for yourself to making decisions for your business. So our four tenets are moving from what's 
legal to what's right, moving from what you can do to what you should do, moving from emotion to logic, and moving from decisions about me to the decisions about the business. So that's how we need to think. Next, we need to talk about what should we do? What are the production things that we need to think about? And the first one is we need to focus on behavior. I do a lot of training for people. I do a lot of training for management teams. And one of the things that I tell them is you need to extract from your vocabulary the word attitude. Attitude is one of those code words that means something that it probably doesn't mean when you say it. That's the kind of word that gets turned into race, gender, color, religion, age. People have bad attitudes when they fit into those protected classes. The reality is attitude is an immeasurable thing. Well, they had a bad attitude. Okay, well, why did they have a bad attitude? Well, and you go down the road of discussion about an attitude, and guess what it ultimately becomes? It becomes one of two things. It becomes either nothing, or it becomes behavior. And that's the shift you need to make. You need to understand that it is behavior that is the thing that you should be focused on. Secondly, communication has to be open. You have to communicate more openly within your business. Because when you communicate more openly, it's very easy and easy and simple for you to communicate the things that you don't particularly care for that your employees are doing or not doing. Don't make them guess. Don't make them try to figure it out. Just tell them. Be clear. Communicate. Doesn't mean be rude. Doesn't mean beat them up. It means just tell them. Because if you tell them, then you will either get the behavior you want or you won't. And then you'll have the opportunity to make an appropriate decision. Third, hire slow, fire fast. This is a huge one that I see people violate. First of all, they want to hire people they want, and, they, and they hire too fast and they don't hire the right people. And they don't get people that fit into their culture. They don't get people that fit into their business or have the skill sets or the abilities to be successful within their business. So they hire too fast. They need to slow down. They need to figure out, is this person really going to fit on the team that I'm trying to build? So we have that problem at the beginning of the employment relationship. And then we fire slow. Firing slow creates a situation where there's confusion, there's chaos. Fire fast. When somebody doesn't measure up, tell them, give them an opportunity, help them, train them. And if they won't do what you want them to do, then you have to let them go. You have to take that adverse action. But you move quickly. Here's what I need you to do. Here's how I'm going to help you. And we need to make this change happen immediately. 
And if they are not making reasonable progress to making that change, then you need to make a change. Hire slow, fire fast. And then lastly, surface problems quickly. Get them to the surface. Help your team understand what the problems are that you are dealing with as the business leader or the business owner. Don't wait for them to just continue to press your buttons and continue to create emotion for you. If you see a problem, you need to surface it immediately. Here's what's the problem. And you need to communicate that personally and privately to the person that is the problem. And then you need to communicate the problem itself to the team and get it right out in the open. And then deal with it thoroughly. Document what you're talking about. Document your expectations. Be willing to put yourself on the line as the business leader that says to your team, this is what I expect, this is what the company needs, and I need you to fall in line behind that. And the people that don't, you're again going to have open communication and make decisions quickly if somebody is not buying into the things that need to be done for your team to be successful. So, the track, the four things that you need to do, not just think, but do. You need to focus on behavior. That's a, that's a complete lens shift for you. Second, you need to communicate more openly. Talk about the things that are working, talk about the things that are not working, and do that openly. You need to hire slow, fire fast. Make sure you've got the right people. That causes you to need to slow down in your hiring. And if they're not the right fit, you need to move on quickly. And fourth, surface problems quickly and thoroughly. Get the problem to the surface with the individual, the team, so that they know what the problem is and now you can work on the solution. And you can identify quickly whether or not the people on your team or what people on your team are going to buy into the solution and which ones aren't, and you act accordingly. So that's the tenets. Those are the tenets, and that's the track. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to give you your plan for this week as you look at dealing with this challenge of the employment at will doctrine and what that really means from a global perspective for you in dealing with the people that are on your team. We'll be right back. My husband and I have been together forever. We've raised our kids and we are in the golden years of our life together. Do we really need to put together an estate plan? I know my mom and dad don't have anything in place to put their affairs in order. I worry about them. But I have enough to do just taking care of my kids and family. Do I really need to take the time to do something about their estate? The short answer to all these questions is, yes, you need to have things in order with your estate. That's why Porter Law put together an instant access summit called the Three Estate Planning Myths. It's free. Go find out why you need to take action in this free summit at www.epmythsummit.com. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements. Okay, we're back. Here are the tenets. Very quickly. Four things that I would have you consider doing 
as you look at your personnel system, your, your human resources system, how you deal with your team. First, establish a review mechanism for yourself. You have to make a lot of decisions in your business, and I get that. I've seen that for a long time with business leaders and business owners. There are lots of challenges that they face and lots of decisions they have to make. When it comes to taking adverse action against employees, which is a very difficult thing to do, I will acknowledge, have a review mechanism in place that helps you by having somebody review what it is you're doing. Have a trusted colleague that you can bring in and that can help you understand, are you thinking this through? Are you being illogical? Are you doing the things that are necessary so that the decision you make is the right decision for the company and not just based upon your particular emotions of the moment? Second, create something that I'll call bedside manner. You need to be able to have bedside manner when it comes to working with your employees. Being brusque and pushing people to the side just makes people feel devalued and unheard. Think about your bedside manner. Are you engaging with people in a way that makes them feel heard, makes them feel valued, makes them feel important to the organization and the things the organization is doing? And if, they, if you don't think they feel that way, you need to develop yourself to be able to have better bedside manner. You need to identify why good employees are good. This is the flip side of the adverse action issue. Look at the employees that you think of as being good employees and really evaluate why do you think they're good employees? What is it about their behavior that makes you put them in the bucket of, I just don't know that we could live without them? Because when you understand that, you can understand the things that you need to be helping others on the team aspire to be. And lastly, you need to commit to have a reason every time you act. There should never be a reason for you to do some, there should never be an act that you take that doesn't have a reason behind it. So the tactics I'd have you take over the next week, first, establish a review mechanism for yourself. Second, create bedside manner so that you can engage with your employees in a more heartfelt and connected way. Third, identify why your good employees are in fact good so that you can use that as a way to continue to coach and direct and guide people on your team. And fourth, commit to always having a reason to act. The Employment at Will Doctrine, folks, is a cop-out. Don't let it be your cop-out. Always have a reason to do what you do. So, that's this episode of The Law Boutique 30. It's been great to have you here. It's always an honor and a privilege to have you on this podcast. If you have feedback, please feel free to shoot that to me at support at lawboutique30podcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear from you on other topics that are interested in you. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week on The Law Boutique 30. Thanks for joining us at Law Boutique 30 today. It was great to have you with us. Be sure and subscribe to the video and audio versions of the podcast on your preferred platforms. Also, leave us some feedback on today's show and what future topics you would like to hear. Connect with us at www.lawboutique30podcast.com. Until next week, be open, connect, and take your business to the top.